Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Today, we have the illustrious, the handsome, the tan, the strong, mm. the fit. Let's keep it going. <laughs> keep them coming. The cordial. <laughs> yep. The cordial, yes. The long the hair. The benevolent. Yes. Uh, Mike Donihi. Donihi. <laughs> Mike Donihi. Mike is here with us today. This, is, this has been, John and I have been excited about this one for a while. This has been something we've both been crafting, uh, been working on for a while, getting Years. you here. Um and it's, it's finally in, all here. I'm in high demand. You are. You are. Mike, so what we do, um, I know you listen to this podcast all the time. Religiously. So you know this. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we have a little brag sheet. This is all the really amazing stuff about you. So people listening get clued in. I'm just and I'd like to say, just again, we haven't ever done this, but I, I always threaten that I want to have the guest read their own brag sheet. I'm not saying that we're going to have you do that. I think it would that. have I'm to just... be in first person. I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and I would want. I think that Mike would be a great candidate for this, though. Yeah, to yeah. do it, to do it off the cuff. To do like, you'd it have right to be like. Child. I don't know if you know this, but I, I am a recording artist. <laughs> but not just that. I'm kind of a songwriter and author. You know, I'm not saying that we're going to do it. I'm just saying. Yeah, this is you'd your be podcast. A great candidate. I, I'll, I'll flow with it. Man. Okay, I'm going to do it. So you don't have to. Okay. Uh, MD, as we call him, is a recording artist, songwriter, author, speaker, podcast host, video show host, and a founding member of the band 10th Avenue North. You're the first video show host that we've had on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. We're going to talk about that most of the time. One of the most loved and successful Christian artists in Christian Christian music. I hope both of those are true. Uh, 10th Avenue North radio favorites includes Love is Here, By Your Side, You're More, Losing, Warren, I Have This Hope, and the multi-week number one smash control parentheses. (laughs) Somehow you want me. Despite the group's widespread that is really amazing, by the way. Can I can I stop and say one of the most loved I love really subjective statements of Miss <laughs> Well they, objective statements. If they have them. a place, it is in bios. Sure. Yeah. If they have a place they, it is we bios. really conflate the, the line between subjective and objectivity <laughs> we here. Do. Which is great. So I would love it if it were like whoever wrote this would throw in like nearly in there. <laughs> oh nearly one of the most almost loved Christian bands in Christian music. But what if they just said one of the Christian bands? Or in my house, it is. One of the Christian artists, one of the artists in Christian music, 10th Avenue North Radio. That's about right. That's a great phrase because it sounds good. One of the the Christian bands in Christian music today. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Wait, what? So current. Yeah, it's so current. Okay, I got to keep going. We're never going to do this. Despite the group's widespread popularity. That's a weird way to start despite. Tenth Avenue North members since... Oh, I see where this is going. I'm going to start right now. I was like, where is this going? Despite the group's widespread popularity, Tenth Avenue North members sensed at the beginning of 2020 that they each had their own unique roads to follow. Mike sees this opportunity to expand as a storyteller, communicator, and thought instigator. I love that. Wherever his voice could be heard. In addition to recording his first solo album, Mike is also preparing his second book. This is really impressive, man. It sounds much more impressive no, than but it, it is feels impressive. in reality. And can be heard weekly on his podcast, Chasing the Beauty, and the, and as the host of the video show Next Chapter, discussing the latest in his book releases. Highlights. This is fun, too. Founding member of 10th Avenue North, author of the bestseller, Finding God's Life for My Will. That's clever. 
host of K-Love's Access More Chasing the Beauty Podcast, host of K-Love uh, on-demand video show, The Next Chapter, first single altogether available now, 475 plus, geez, thousand streams a day. Altogether, official music videos out altogether. It's out there. It's happening. 10th Avenue North, this is this is doubly bananas. Over 2 million albums sold, multi-dev award winners, RIAA platinum certified single by your side, RI2 RIAA, RIAA. I don't know how you say that. Gold certified singles uh, worn and you're more and gold certified album over and underneath. That's a lot, man. Guys, that was I was not expecting you to read that whole thing. Well, no, that that's that's kind of why we like <laughs> starting like that. some sort of so, curation so, there. So we nope. always <laughs> nope. We always, what thing. if I got in, like, also built a tree house, skateboarded, and uh, did I have, a, I have built a tree house. Dro- have you ever dropped in on a half pipe? Yes. Dude, that's all I want to do. That's too really great. Wow. I would add that. Dropping yeah, in on a half pipe is terrifying. Oh, you got to, like, you gotta you're just leaning it. the complete wrong way. Yeah. You Your body's to. like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, if you don't. I also have a really great story. When I was 11, I slid down an unfinished half pipe and got. 37 oh, splinters in my butt and my Ooh. my friend's Ooh. mom had to pull them out oh. with tweezers <laughs> yikes that so the is, moral of that story is wait till they finish yeah, the half pipe wait till it's waxed yeah I, then give it a go that feels like a great theme just in general wait till it's waxed can we start that podcast <laughs> can we start that podcast please it we, applies to we so lost many another chunk of listeners <laughs> right there we better act we're right. gonna get called from Andy okay Downs. so we, we we always ask though while your brag sheet is being read aloud to you how are you feeling as it's being read run us through the, the emotions that you're feeling you know I, i'm trying to get more healthy with uh mm. confidence and mm-hmm. and not feeling shameful for things that sound grandiose. Uh-huh. Uh, it does feel inflated a bit, you know, when you read it like sure. that. Um, As any good brag sheet should be. But it also goes, wow, I've lived a lot of life. Mm. Uh-huh. Look at that. Maybe I do know what I'm doing a bit. <laughs> a bit. A bit. <laughs> and still yeah. there's some humility there. Yeah. Isn't it funny? It, it, it always strikes me because you don't do that work for nothing. Correct. You, you know, th- th- it's a really weird line to walk. It's it's what you said as we were reading it, as I was reading it. Like, you know, it's that it's tricky because it's like you don't like you're not out there. Anyone listening to this is doing any job in their life, whatever the task. You're not doing it to be like, meh. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, there is this weird kind of like on the surface, you're kind of supposed to be ambitious. You're supposed to get out there and chase your dreams and do all this stuff that you have done. And then when it comes up and it's the mirror is turned toward you, you are supposed to just swat it away and yeah. be like, ah, I whatever. didn't even mean to do that. Yeah, I was in a band. I wrote two books. What? <laughs> Whoopsie. I, yeah. I think the tension is as an artist, you got, you guys are both, you know, you're aspiring artists, and um, <laughs> your brag sheets aren't as long they as are. mine. They really are. Um, They're being written. <laughs> but you you're you're constantly. I think to create art, you have to be now. Right. Yeah. And so it isn't that you're discounting what you've done. Mm. It's just that you're you're usually the most excited about what you're doing yeah. Yeah. currently. Right. Right. So of all that, I just want people to know, yeah, I'm about to release a new record. You know, that that that's mm-hmm. what's right now. And um I you know, so I think but there is some health to go. Isn't it not to not to get too much on a tangent here, but isn't it interesting 
And I think people that aren't artists, this is probably hard to understand because I think it's hard to understand as artists. But one of the things that's so weird, because I can't, I can't tell you how much that resonates with me, this idea that like, you know, you're always working on what you're working on now. That's mm-hmm. what, you know, oh, somebody yeah. asks you what you're excited about, more than likely it's going to be, man, this music that I'm working on right now. And, and to some degree, like if you're a home builder, <laughs> this is what, it, this is an analogy that actually sort of works. Okay. I'm, I'm riffing right now. This is real time. But it would be kind of like, you know, you are a home builder and people are like, um, Hey, will you, can we go look at that house you built a decade ago and just walk through it again? And you're like, I mean, sure. And they're like, it's a great house. You're like, sure. And so you drive it, you walk through the house. You're like, yeah, wow. It really holds up. And, and there's some things I do different. Little, now it's that a little I, dated, yeah. but you know, I've learned some more things. You're like, we should go look at the house. I'm like, yeah, but okay. What's the one you built five years ago Remember for the Smithsons? Can we, and you're like, Okay, yeah, we can go look at that house too. But let me tell you the house I'm building now. Really, and it's it's so it's such a because that's what it feels like to yes, me sometimes. Exactly. You're like, hey, can we talk about the song that you wrote when you were a senior in college? That's my and you're like, yeah, and thank God walking through that house, I'm like, man, somehow this still holds. Up. Yeah, like, right. It's yeah. not folding in. But on I've itself. gotten better but since gotten then. Better exactly. Since. I've learned exactly. some things. But but we're kind of always known. For those, for those, you know, the things that tend to resonate so much of those kind of those first homes, which is so funny because it's hard not to see when you walk through them. Again, to stay with the analogy, these things you're like, God, these doors are so wide. Why did I make right. the doors in this house so? And of course, people are like, you know, what I like about this house, huge wide doors. doors. <laughs> so good. Like, yeah, but ergonomically, it I doesn't. Think, make I think sense. they should be huger. I think they should be even more <laughs> yeah. huge. Well, and you always have the like that is so true. You always have the. The, sort of the general public who loves whatever it was that they first heard of. Yeah, it, yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's always going to be the thing that they go back to. And you as an artist are always excited about the thing that they haven't heard yet. But then, like, counter to that, in in our creative world, you tend to, like, the further, the, the more time between you and whatever that last thing you did, the more insecure I get about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that one song uh, is great, but that was 10 years ago that I wrote that. And I think it's great to read these brag sheets with people. And the fact that you were saying, like, yeah, I'm getting to a point where I can, like, let myself appreciate it. Yeah, go, wow, that was awesome. I got to be a part of all that. Yeah. Yeah. So we won a, a Dove Award, which mm-hmm. is like the Christian Grammy. We're kind of done with the brag sheet oh, no, no. part of it, Mike. <laughs> so, well, he, he wants to go back. That's okay. This go was ahead. this was quite Let's a long time a ago. But to to your point, <laughs> oh, it was a long time ago. Doesn't count. We have Song of the Year. Oh, this is so important. And they hand me the the, the little bird trophy. And as I'm walking backstage, the bottom falls off. Of the trophy, it's not glued on correctly, and I so now I have two pieces of a trophy in my hand, and I'm fumbling with it, going where am I? And they're going, you got to go back here to talk to press, and I go around the corner, and then this girl walks over and goes, hey, I just want to let you know that she's like helping. She had a headset on. She goes, that song changed my life. Mm. Like my roommate played that for me last year, my freshman year of college, completely changed my life. And so I'm. It was like that moment where I'm holding a broken award. And hearing, oh, that's why that song's important. What a great tangible like moment yeah. to illustrate that. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when you said, "That's great." Could you give me some glue yeah. for <laughs> the? Did you like, see that I got this? That's little... great, sweetie. Uh, can you fix this? Can, yeah. Can, can you, you give me a new one? Get a bigger one. Sparkling water, please. More, more. <laughs> <laughs> could the could the award sparkle? 
<laughs> we'll sparkling water make the awards sparkle. So, so, That's so great. let's go back. Let's go back. You grew up where? Like, wh- where, where are the Donnies from? I grew up in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Okay. Which was, it's right in between Washington, D.C. and Richmond. Okay. In Virginia. I bet and, that's pretty. I don't know that I've been that to that area. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. It's all, I grew up a maniac. I can't even believe it. My parents let me and my two best friends, we would just ride our Huffy bicycles. I, I, I drew a map. It was like a five-mile radius. Wow. My parents wow. Just, and we had this Go, whole yeah. downtown. It was a real Civil War area. There's all these you know, museums and stuff, and we would just run amok, just yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. And how mm-hmm. old were you? At when that, you could like leave the house on the bike and not come back six, till the sun went down. Six years old. Wow. <laughs> Which I remember when so I was much. little, like I had a bike that had one of those little, um, little like bags underneath the seat. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you could like, and I would like make a sandwich and get like a candy bar or whatever and like stuff it in there on a Saturday. And like my friend Adam Taylor and I would like leave and we would we would just be gone all yeah. day long. Yes. All day long. Absolutely. I would never let my kids do that now. My parents had no choice. My mom has a story when I was three. She hears, she's got me in the bath, and then she's in the kitchen, and then she hears the ice cream truck. And No. And she, she hears the door open, the front door, and she, well, who just came in? And Because the kids are there, and Mike's in the bath, and she walks out. Three years old. I am butt naked, <laughs> dripping wet, running. Sprinting down the street after the yeah. ice cream like, <laughs> that feels right to me. That feels very on brand for little boy. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I was 100 percent on brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you keep, you're just completely the, naked with your mom's purse. I gotta tell you one more the... story. One more story. Because you asked about my childhood, my parents had me. I was three again uh, at Walt Disney World, and okay. my mom had me on a leash. So oh, I was yeah. a leash kid, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. which I, I think you're probably not allowed to use leashes anymore. No, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I was just there, and they're very much allowed. And uh, my mom says she sees a kid walk by, it looks just like me. She goes, oh, that kid looks just like Mike. She looks down. I had taken the leash off and then put it on someone else's kid. That is unbelievable. Indiana oh Jones gosh. with the statue. I was like, I can't just <laughs> – She's gonna feel the weight. <laughs> you like pick that kid up yes, and like yes. the whole day. Yeah, he's about I was sizing him up. I'm like, there's a belt right, too small, just right. Blonde hair. And you give it. And you gave him like a piece of gum. He's like, yeah, it's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> this works out. That is that's genius. hilarious. Yeah. So you have siblings. Oh yeah, lots of them. How many? I've got. So I have. Four I grew up with. I have a half sister as well, so okay. I have five siblings. Okay, and boys, girls. Uh, four, three, four girls, one brother. Four oh my sisters, gosh. one brother. And where do you fall in the in the age? So order? I grew up. There was five of us that I grew up with, uh, and I was right smack dab in the middle. Okay, so okay. girl, girl, boy, girl, girl. So yeah, girl, girl, boy, girl, boy. Oh, okay, girl, and then the and then okay. and an older sister, girl. Okay. Jeez, yeah, a lot, of, yeah, a lot of, estrogen. and now I have four daughters, and I always say I was, I was as prepared for this as I possibly could. Yeah, be. yeah, 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 yeah. I grew I, up, I, I grew actually, up in a house of menstruation, is what we <laughs> referred to our house. <laughs> That's on the mailbox. Were you, were you the man putting men in menstruation? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have written down in my notes not to jump ahead here, but but I do have. You have four daughters. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. How many daughters is too many? <laughs> And we can you can either answer that now or we can we can wait till we we'll get, get there. But just think about it. How many daughters is too many? Yeah, ruminate on that Depends and be ready on the for day. that. Yes, touche. That's Depends a very great question. Day. So, so 
you grew up in a big family, so that's uh-huh. I mean, is that a dynamic that like were you cognizant of that as you grew up? Like you're like, man, there's a lot of us. Like when we when we roll up to Pizza Hut, this is a moment. Well, you know, it's all you know, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and back then, I guess big families attract other big families because they're kind of like we're all in this together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Right. So all my friends had pretty big families. Oh wow. You know, there uh, had to be that one friend that was like an only child, and you go to his house and it's so quiet. Well, right? yeah. So my one best friend, it was him and his older sister, but he had two older brothers who had moved out. They, there was a big age gap. Okay. Yeah. So he was kind of my one friend that, you know, uh, it would be like so much attention on us when we come over here. <laughs> so we never wanted to sleep You're over like, there. Why are your parents looking at us? <laughs> <laughs> why aren't they letting us just run amok? They've called us the right names every time they yeah, reference this, us. That is, that is, <laughs> growing up, my mom would go, Darcy, Molly, uh, John, Mike. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah she yeah. named the dog, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. finally right. land. And then like name. some of the minor prophets, and then <laughs> yes. she finally. <found>, like, <laughs> exactly right. So what what is the dynamic of your house like? What's the what is the Donahue house like? Like what's the vibe? What, My what, growing up house. Yeah, or yeah, the house yeah. yeah growing up. Um, I mean, it was it was jovial. Mm. You know, I I don't I don't actually remember a ton of fighting. Mm. Um, but again, I was the boy. Surrounded by sisters, right. and my younger brother was much younger than me. Yeah. He's seven years younger than me. So, um, but I will say, and th- this is the Dadville podcast. My dad ingrained in me the power of hospitality. Wow, better than wow. I mean, every Thanksgiving, there's all these strangers I'd never met. Wow, e- you know, every time they'd come up, there's just my 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 dad. To this day, I've, I would say there's probably seven or eight bands. Because they still live right off of 95. That I, I would meet at a festival or something and go, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going up 95. I go, stop at my parents' house. And they go, really? I go, no, seriously. Stop at my parents' house. And um, <laughs> Eric, my friend Eric Marshall said they showed up with his band at 2 a.m. And my dad had found out that one of the guys was a pescatarian. So at 2 a.m., my dad's out on his no, patio no. at his grill with a headlamp. No, no. Chicken and no. salmon. Just going. He's like, guys, and there's We you need know, to interview your dad. That's amazing. He is a legend. That He's is legend. amazing. Yeah. So so I'm 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 really fascinated with this. What so what sort of do you osmotically take in having parents that were that hospital? Like what what do you hospital is what I said. <laughs> which is Fordian slip, but also true. Hospitable. Yeah. What are the things you're taking in, whether you know it or not, from that being a part of your growing up? One of the things that, that struck me when I got first got married, I remember we go to church with my wife's family and then church ended and I was like, where are you guys going? Cause they were walking straight out the building to the car. I'm going, what's going on here? Aren't we supposed to <laughs> make some shoot the crap for like two hours? Right. You know? Yeah. Cause that, my parents shut it down every <laughs> yes. Sunday. Yes. Yes. I was crawling under the chairs and, yeah. and destroying things. So uh, that was a revelation of going, oh, there's people who live by a schedule. Quote, <laughs> <laughs> unquote. That's amazing. You know, so having to, you know, learn and unlearn. Um, yeah. Because, and, you know, that sort of give and take with my wife of I'm just everybody, every, yeah. everybody, you know. Come on. I was maybe a forced social number on the Enneagram. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife's like, if I had one friend, that's great. Yeah. And I'm like, if I had 15 more, yes. it'd be better. Yes, I feel that. You know? So did y'all, did, would people come and live with y'all for seasons and stuff like that? My parents also hosted seven exchange students, Holy seven or eight cow. over the years. Wow. 
My junior year, uh, my roommate for the year was Torquil Falker Kusk Bless from you. Denmark. Wow. He took great pleasure in his name sounding like a cuss word as well. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> and he made everyone call him Torch. Oh, he, that's the coolest thing I've ever He was ever hilarious. Heard. That's a great name. He got like four red cards on the soccer team. He was, wow. he was a legend, yeah. So he played like three games the whole oh, season. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and all of them was just going for yeah. people's throats. Yeah, Torch. <laughs> so And then, yeah, we had several from South Korea, uh, one from Slovakia. Uh, yeah, just... Always, always. So does that, does that, it sounds like a family that probably holds things very loosely and lightly, right? Because you can't sort of have that many people coming in and out and not be sort of. Yeah. And a, a, a strange thing. So my dad worked in DC and he worked for this, uh, nonprofit for years and years. And then he got it in him that he was going to do this series of films. So he partnered with this guy and this was a really good story for me. He's actually later on told me one of the, his great regrets is not listening to my mom because mm. my mom had this really bad feeling about this guy who's investing said, I don't trust this guy. He goes, no, no, it's going to be great. And he, and he's later told me, Hey, if your wife is not on board, don't do it. Don't mm. do it. Well, and literally like there are three things in my career, three big things that I wish I could <laughs> go back to and do differently. And every single one, Amy was like, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't work with that person. You shouldn't. Every time. I wish I could go back One and listen One of them to still is this, isn't it? She is not on board with that bill. She doesn't see the point of it. <laughs> so there's two There's two ways of thinking it. Not to get too spiritual, but for a second. There's two ways of viewing that. Either I'm the head of the house. I know what's best. She needs to get on board. Hmm. Or perhaps um, if there is a spirit who is talking to us, hmm. he purposefully doesn't give me all the information because he wants me to learn humility to listen Jeez. to my wife. Yeah. Right. So obviously one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So right. Me, me. What I say, go. That's, that's what no, we what have my... that written up in a banner when you walk into my house. What I say, what go. I what say I say, go. go. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, long story short, my dad ends up getting messed out of this deal. And so he, you know, makes no money. He goes and he films all these TV shows for a whole year. So he quit his job. Quit his job, which was like a really great job. Yeah. And makes these films and then doesn't get paid. And so he has to rebound. And so for the next several years, he's just, I mean, five kids that he's taking care of, just scrounging, selling phone cards, selling cars. Jeez. He was just doing anything he could. And that's when I was went into middle school. So I got into middle school and it was like, hey, we have no money. If you want to go do things, you need to go get a job. Wow. And it, it's funny how when you're a kid, you just like you're going to the food pantry and you're getting leftover food and we're going to the Wonder Bread um, secondhand shop where yep. the bread is kind of moldy uh-huh. and, and doing that. And you just don't – you don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. I just never thought about it because yeah. so I was like, oh. and. We had one of those bread stores that yeah. I didn't know until recently. I just thought we called it the bread store. But my mom told me recently, like, no, that was like marked down secondhand bread. Yes. Like the goodwill of bread. Exactly. <laughs> Which I, I had no idea. Yeah. I love the bread store. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you like it. always sort of got a little hallucinogenic after that. It was awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Mind-altering bread. I mean, I loved it. What more could a good one? That feels like a really bad... CCM song from 1973. Mind altering bread. 
you know. Bread of the Lamb. <laughs> yeah, it's like major seven, the whole song. <laughs> major seven. And a flute every solo every in the middle. Oh, <laughs> uh, not enough flute solos these days. Dave, you know, I'm going on tour starting in September. Are you kidding? I'm going to be at every single show. I know it. I yes. Despite that, I am so excited. I can barely stand it. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. Listen, after the year and some change we've had, it feels like we've been working and waiting a lifetime for this, Dave, John. You this can is your moment. again. Okay, well, after the year and some change we've had, it feels like we've been working and waiting a lifetime for this. You can say... Okay, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm so nervous and excited to get back on stage, honestly. Yeah. I'm even worried more and more about what I wear, though. Oh, let know? me say, it's super nerve-wracking. In these days of social media where people are taking pictures of us and posting them every day. It's everywhere. They know what you wore every I, night of the week. I know. Thank goodness I found Cuts clothing. They have comfortable, mm. breathable, Ooh. which you know is important, yep. breathable styles that are great for any occasion, from lounging on the bus to getting up on stage for that first song of the oh night. Oh, my gosh. Well, can I ask you, are you sure it'll hold up in the wrinkly and sweat conditions that are inevitable while on tour? See, that's where their signature buttery soft Pika Ooh. Pro Tri-Blend tees and polos come in handy. Ugh. The Pika polos are Ugh. packed with wrinkle-free technology that's designed for load-in and press appearances. Oh, my gosh. You know how much I hate picking out what to wear and always prefer to be more comfortable, okay? I'd go shirtless if I could, but it was a lot of lawsuits. Cuts clothing sounds like the answer to all my problems. This month marks the Cut's fifth anniversary, Ooh. and they're doing it big with two collection drops, Hello. a product launch and a week-long special event. Join the celebration and get 15% off -uh. site-wide by going to CutsClothing.com slash Dadville. Uh -uh. That's CutsClothing.com slash Dadville for 15% off and access to anniversary events all month long, people. So I'm really curious about that whole scene. I mean, I'm, I'm A, what did you – do you remember when your dad was going to – quit his job did you have any sense of like what that meant did zero, you have any oh. sense of like security or anything like that zero percent had no idea that was going on because i think it's a great it must have been subconsciously or consciously a really impactful thing to see your dad quit his job because he wants to go do this thing that he thinks is really cool what you know it's you know where i figured it out and it's really awesome because i feel like this could have gone both ways for my dad okay when I get to college, I tell my parents, hey, I want to be a theater major. They don't bat an eye. Wow. They don't blink. They uh -huh. go, okay, great. That's what you want to do. And then when I graduate, I go, actually, I want to go into music. An even more secure you know, occupation of, right. of, of full-time music. And they're like, yeah, okay, great. And what, what kind of is stunning to me is that it would seem – that some dads would go through that big disappointment mm. and then they would kind of go the other way and go, no, you got to do the smart yeah, thing. Yeah. You got to yeah, do the right thing. Don't make the mistake that I made, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. he like went for it, risked and failed and still, Wow. I mean, he really embodies that Winston Churchill quote, you know, success is going from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. Wow. Right. Wow. Have you ever heard that? No, no that's I great. Heard that. Success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Mm. That's wow. success. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he really, I didn't realize until later, oh man, cause I talked to, you know, I just, you, you talk to people that just their parents are so, uh, trying to curate their whole life for them. Right. Uh, for better or worse. Um, you know, I could have been Tiger Woods had my dad 
been a little sure. bit more obsessive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. He well, missed that. Yeah. Dang it, Dad. Think yeah. of all the free clothes you would have got. My rap sheet would have been way better. Yeah. Yeah. Brag sheet, rap sheet. I like rap better because <laughs> it makes us sheet. cooler. Isn't that, isn't cool. that like a criminal thing? Rap sheet? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could have gone you that should, way. Next time you have a guest, you should just read all their felonies. Like, yes. All their, a rap oh my sheet. Gosh. Like, just get into that. So, okay, so so let's fast forward a bit. You, where do you go to college? I went to Palm Beach Atlantic University. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's where the, the mm-hmm. power union began, right? Yeah. I think I saw you play down there. Yes, I played once yeah. in a ballroom, I think, or something. Sounds good. Um, but before that, though, we got there's a story that I'm, you've told a million times, but there, there are probably some Dadville listeners now who don't know this story. Um, can you tell the, like, the car accident story? This is your senior year in high school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an amazing story. So yeah. I hope, uh, th- to quote Winston Churchill, just go, even though you've told this story many, many times, don't lose enthusiasm oh, for it. You guys are giving me new enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, because I've never. Because it. it's a, it's really a great story. So people ask, how'd you get into music? Because I was going to college for theater in my senior year of high school. Uh, we we're on our way. Um, I was on the soccer team, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a really great soccer team. We were undefeated. Like seventeen and zero. Jeez. And um, where'd you play? How many goals did you have? Uh, I played defense. So ah, okay. okay. And I wasn't tall enough to come in and do headers or anything. So sure. I I didn't score any goals. Okay. I'm a junior. And... <laughs> we'll edit that out. Thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. Um, Jeff, cut that part out about no goals. Yeah. Uh, that was a real I energy. Seventy-five suck. goals. Seventy-five goals. So, okay. Wow. No one's here to fact check that. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um. And uh, we had. An, uh, this is. You don't need to know all this. Jeff, edit this out. Uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, they, we had a rescheduled game. So in the middle of the school day, they go, hey, soccer team, soccer team, uh, go home, get your uniforms. You have, a, you have a game today instead of practice. Oh, wow. So we go, oh, okay. So we go, and we borrow my friend Kevin's car because I wanted to practice driving stick shift. Oh, nice. Right? Sure. And so he goes, yeah, you guys take my car. So we drive. And then on the way back, my buddy Johnny goes, hey, I want to drive the car. And I go, oh, yeah, sure. So he's driving, and we're screwing around, whatever, whatever. And he accidentally, there's a very twisty, like, country road back to my school, catches the edge of the wheel and starts overcorrecting. And the car starts fishtailing at 50 miles an hour. Oh, gosh. He catches, there's, the, the car flips five or six times. Holy up in the cow. Air. They actually, there was red paint on a tree that was... Like 15 feet high. Oh, my gosh, like Mike. Crazy, crazy. So the, the car flips, and then I'm not wearing a seatbelt, so I fly out. Okay? So I fly out of the car. The craziest part is later, the roof of the car actually got pinned down to my seat on the passenger side. So if I'd stayed in the car, Dude, that, that gives 1% me goosebumps. of oh people my gosh. Right. where it was better to get thrown out than staying. Just to be clear, Dadville is supportive of seatbelts. Seat we think are. everyone should wear their yeah. seatbelts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 99% effective. Yeah. Uh, so I get, fl- I get thrown out. I, I hit the pavement, apparently, and I break. I hit my chest so hard it breaks my back in two places. <sighs> I broke my face, my head. And my ear got ripped off. It was dangling. Mike. So you you I read that you broke your skull. Broke that's yeah. what was written. Broke my skull. Had a brain aneurysm, like a blood clot thing. Anyway, I emit apparently we've later found out I emitted what is known as par- paramedics refer to as the death gurgle. So there's oh, actually gosh. sound that you make. Uh and that's what they a reviewer called my first record. Keep going. The death gurgle. <laughs> 
So they they uh, they pick me up in the ambulance, and I flatline five times in the ambulance. Mike. And I don't know which time it was, but one of the times I flatline, I was. I don't usually tell people this. I was transcended, and I saw Jesus. No. No, I didn't. Oh, but God. Could you imagine? I was like, this was why would you leave a... this part out most if, of the time? I mean, I could be a speaker, a global, if I just held to that story. And Jesus said, yeah. form the band. Yes. Um, oh, my. Welcome to the street, 10th Avenue. Avenue. No. No. So uh, I do, fla- <laughs> do flatline five times. and uh, Holy cow. Can I ask a dumb question? You don't remember, obviously. You're, there's, you don't have any, there's no memories of that. Because you're unconscious. Not of the flatline. Like you're not having any I, like. I do remember coming to in the ambulance and them asking me questions. And they after the fifth one. I don't know when it was. Oh wow, you don't know. Yeah, and they said they said, uh, "What's your name?" I said Mike Tiny. Uh, what what year are you born? 1980. They're like, "What well, you know? What's your address?" Rattle it off, and then they go, "What year is it?" And I was like, uh, "Who's president?" It was I couldn't. N- nothing in the moment made Jeez. sense. Uh-huh. And then I just blacked out and then came back to, and I was looking at my parents and they were handing me this barium liquid to drink so they could x-ray my insides. Long story short, I do end up living and, uh, I know it's a great shock to everyone. Um, <laughs> I am not a vampire right now. He asked to do this at night, this episode. It's really weird. He came in. He doesn't like to hug. He was drinking some kind of a red liquid. I took a picture of him. He didn't show up in the picture. (laughs) Um, So I came to, you know, I came to, I ended up having to lay on my back for two months. And, uh, and that's when laying there, I was always very active, a lot of sports and stuff. And that was the first time I laid still long enough to go, maybe I should learn an instrument or something. Wow. That would make this time way more interesting. And uh, so I asked for a guitar and got a guitar for Christmas and, you know, showed up at college having learned four chords. And then I just, I noticed that all the girls really paid attention to the guys who are really good at guitar. So that gave me an extra motivational fire to, right, to start. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I get that. Baby, let me let me share with you what the Lord is. <laughs> what the Lord saying. has told me. Um so first of all, I, I can Annie, my wife, had a not a similar story in that she got thrown from the car, but it's a crazy long story. But I think about this all the time because she was fine. It's a crazy, crazy miracle how she survived this story. thing. But I think about when I hear <clears throat> I hear people tell that story, as a parent now, I'm always like, Can you imagine like showing up to your scene, to my, to Annie's scene, and and just how, like the things you'd be feeling, you know what I mean? To see your baby? No, yeah. I mean that's got to be. My my sister said, a bunch of kids and my parents and uh, had come from the school were in this waiting room, and nobody kind of knew the extent to which Jeez. I'd been hurt, and then for whatever reason they had to wheel me from one room through the waiting room where. Everyone oh was my gosh, sitting, Mike. and then uh, that, so that like the doors open, poof, and my sister said, and then I just go wheeled out, and the room just goes dead quiet, and then they wheel me across, and my face is blown open. I mean, just completely like ninety six stitches. I'm ninety six. I'm picturing like the guy in the back, the jock, who's like. You, he's sort of friends with you, but he came because his friend was friends with you, or his he, girlfriend, and he just like 
they wheel you through. It's dead silent, and you hear them go, "Faker!" Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> Whatever, Mike. She didn't like you. She likes me. <laughs> but they said dead quiet, and then I, pff, the doors close. I go through to the other side, and then everyone just starts weeping. You yeah. Because like, oh my gosh, yeah, he's gonna die. So, so what? What happened to the? Uh, was it just you and another guy? There. So this is the wild part. I almost forgot my friend Sam, who, who later he's like a captain in the army now, flying Apache helicopters, and this it makes sense now. It was a CR CRX. Uh-huh, Do you remember uh-huh. those little two door? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And the back, he was he was illegally hunched, holding his knees in the back hatch of the car. Oh my god! Riding along with us because you know it was it was. Hey, who can go with who? Go get your uniforms. Yeah, who yeah. lives close to each other? We're, right. Oh, Sam, you live right down the road from me. Jump in. And he's, and he's in the back. And the hatch busts open. He flies out. He's told me. Flies out. Hits his feet. No. Rolls forward. You know, centrifugal force. Rolls three times. And no. then pops back no. up on his feet. Oh, my gosh. That gives me chills. Like nothing. Not a scratch. Totally off. fine. Holy no cow. No way. And then my buddy Johnny... He he was admitted to the hospital because he was banged up, but he had a seatbelt on, and the and the, miraculously the the roof didn't collapse. Oh, yeah. On him. yeah, Jeez Louise! So did he did he run to you to find so where you were? So he said he came to, and he crawled out. He said he remember he couldn't open the door, and so he crawled out the window, and then he started looking for me and found me on the road. Oh my. Just Mike. blood, and he he came up to me and he said, "I was emitting the death gurgle." And he's like, "I just killed Mike." And he said, oh my gosh. And, he, and he's like, "Mike, stay with me, stay with me." And he said, "I was trying to sit up." I was like, "There's oh no lay down, lay down." And then some lady came running out of her house and called nine one one. And yeah, God, what a crazy story. And he's still my best friend. Yeah, I John, met and I met has, him down in Florida, recently. and he has yeah. four daughters. Yeah. Which is just yeah. insane. You know, it reminds me of when I was in, it's a similar situation. I was in high school uh, rollerblading. Yep. I'll never forget. I, I was one minute I'm rollerblading. The next minute I, f- I fell uh-huh. and I broke both my wrists. You for real did rollerblading? For real. I thought you were going to joke. It's, that's still, <laughs> the story is a joke. And I remember you telling me. I, remember, <laughs> I thought you were going to say. He's way too I empathetic for that joke. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah. I remember you telling me they wheeled the same thing. Everybody's in the waiting room. They wheel Everyone. you through. They They're holding through. both your hands. You yeah. still have your rollerblades on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's how they wheeled him. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you just it's just a regular chair. And you go just don't cut the the rollerblades off. I love these rollerblades. Leave them. I, Leave them on. I want to play the piano. No, I, I'm I'm curious. Um, I feel like I probably know the answer to this because I know you and I know your personality. But just imagining you as a high school kid in that situation, all these friends are at the hospital. You must have had some – I mean, that elevates you in high school world to celebrity status instantly. Everyone knows the boy you at that who point. could not be killed. Well, so here's the deal. I went to a small private school. Okay. So you were already the George Clooney of your <laughs> class, is what you're saying. No, no, it's, you no, no. In fact, it's kind of the opposite uh, because there was maybe sixty something students who graduated in my class. 
38 of them, we had been together since kindergarten. Wow. Oh, wow. So it actually was nobody was impressed with you. Right. Everyone, everyone yeah. still viewed you as whatever impression they had at you when you were six. <laughs> yeah, you can't change. You know, you know what I mean? That like mm-hmm. sort of stifling, not let, letting someone grow. In fact, I remember I went to college and it was like, oh, maybe I am a like talented person right. or may, you know, cause just everyone kind of so used to, it. yeah, you know, thinks of yeah. you in a certain box. Th- yeah. that, that's the same. That's it's interesting. sort of the same vibe. I grew up in a really tiny town and it's a little bit like, you know, when you got 8,000 people and you've known each other for 10 years, it's like, yeah, that's, it's always the same people all the time. Yeah. yeah. So you're just kind of used to each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you go to PBU and uh, PBA. PBA. I call it you because I, I, it's a soft, it's a oh to me, but um, Atlantic. <laughs> Atlantic. Uh, <laughs> it's like your uh, Norwegian <laughs> or your Danish roommate. That's very good. Very good. Um, so, you, and that's where, you, is that where the band comes together? Yeah. Okay. And everybody went like together at the same time vibes or did so y'all freshman outsource? Year. So freshman year, um, my... I mean, I'd only been playing guitar a year at that point. And I, I, my buddy, Brian, who we called Biggie B, Biggie and he B. goes, Shout out. It, uh, they had another roommate named Clint. He's like, Clint says, hey, I got this. Uh, my buddy from Jersey just, just came in, and, and he's good at uh, drums. You guys should jam together. So I came over, jammed, formed uh, the, power, the power ensemble that would mm-hmm. later become 10th Avenue North. Mm-hmm. So Jason and I... Started the band together, and then and then Brian, we had for years just rotating cast members, basically until we kind of landed on. And I the came lineup. down to play at some point. This must have been two thousand three, maybe something like that. And my best friend Jeff Owen, I grew up with, fifth grade on, who edits the podcast. He's the Jeff we refer to. Went with me. We were going to school together in Anderson, Indiana. And we came down, I played this show. We were there for like, I want to say we were there for like a week or something. We were there for a while. Did you play with Matt? Was that? One of the times Matt Wirtz and I played. That time I But that was later on, I think. Okay. But we we came down and played and then came back home. And as my memory, in my memory, I'm not sure if the chronology of this is correct, but we go down, Jeff sees PBA, Palm Beach Atlantic. We drive back to Indiana, and I feel like he just walked in the house, packed his stuff, and just went right back to That's Palm right. Beach Atlantic. Yes. He was just like, why are we here? Why are <laughs> we, we there? Could be there yes. We could be there. <laughs> that needs to be the, the theme of PBU. I'm still going to that. Uh, why are you there when you could be here? Uh, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, everyone I know who I even explain the school to, they go, it's where? Yeah, it's, it's three minutes from the beach. It's, you know, West yeah, Palm Beach. You seriously but, feel that way? I would. No one told me that existed. I didn't know that was there. Why didn't anyone know? Yeah. And And so, and then Jeff went on to be a guitar player. Yes. You know what really chats my hide is Jeff took one class at PBA and then dropped out because he got down to West Palm. Right. Why am I here (laughs) when I could be here? (laughs) Why am I here? He was in the classroom. He was like, why am I in the classroom? I could just be. It just keeps going. That's the only. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. They get the students and then they lose them because, but uh. He he drops out after one class, and then a couple of years after our band, we all graduate and we get a record deal. Blah 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 blah. We get invited back, and we get awarded the Young Alum Award. 
uh-huh. for outstanding achievement within five years. Is that after Johan Youngalam? Youngalam. Youngalam. They created an award, right? They said, this is for outstanding achievement within five years of graduating. Oh, wow. And Jeff got one. I go, Jeff took one class. <laughs> I way overpaid for this, this degree. Yeah. I I don't, can I just say really quickly something – Something that really saddened me to exactly your point. Two weeks ago, I get uh, MTSU Alumni Magazine, and I'm looking through it. My buddy Chris Young, country artist here in town, who MTSU alum also, I see him on the cover, and it's like he's got a new song out. It just was number one called Famous Friends, right? And so it's beautiful. Whoever thought of this was a genius. So MTSU basically came to it and said, hey, we want to do like a wall that celebrates all of our uh, alumni that have gone on to do things. And, you know, you, it's like, we'll do it around the famous friends. You can be in the middle of it and it'll be these people that you know and people who graduated. Well, immediately I'm like, they didn't, they didn't tell me that they were, <clears throat> they were doing it. And so I'm, I'm like, but I'm, I'm surely I'm on there. Right. So no, that's not, no, not, no okay. yeah, but the, um, they, they probably left a little space for me to do. So sure. I text him and I'm like, so I guess I've just got to achieve a little more to get on there and he takes it back oh boy just that, that, almost that, like, famous <laughs> enough my bad this but is thing, almost famous listen, enough Dave but Barnes. this is what made me laugh the hardest to your point mike there are people on there i was like i know she i know she went for a semester yeah. i graduated yeah come I on gra- i mean it was like i was so like, what are the metrics here I was what? Like, it had like people who had written like an article in a newspaper like lit- i was uh-huh. like come on guys <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not like, you know, Justin Timberlake, You're but like, it was she the same just thing. Ate at the cafeteria the same one thing. Day. I knew, I knew. I was like, I wanted to call out the two or right. three people there. I like, I know they they took two classes, but MTSU's like, no, it counts. That counts. And I'm like, what about somebody who spent four and a half years here? <laughs> I gave everything I had to this. College. A lot of people go to school for eight years. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're called, called doctors. doctors. They're called doctors. <laughs> yes. So speaking of the band, I want to ask because this is pretty unique that we have this uh experience of like you you start this band that's a great band for those listening who are not aware of 10th so avenue north it's phenomenal look up it's just phenomenal direct from mike donnie's mouth phenomenal yeah. band phenomenal better um, than john or dave's music yes okay but that's, not our, that's not even a subjective statement that's just that's one of the objective objectively <laughs> so you start this band you have this incredible career this band and then you decide you know, collectively, we'll we'll get into that later. But you guys decide to stop the band. Mm-hmm. You play farewell shows earlier this year. Like you guys are done. So we have this unique experience of having like the arc, the whole thing. Like most of the time, we're talking to people in the midst of whatever career, whatever they're doing. But you've no, done my, this thing. My best is behind me now. Yeah, right. Which is great <laughs> talking <laughs> material for us. So I'm. So my question is, what's what is? Uh, hang on, I, I I lost my place. He's probably give me one second. He's probably looking at. This email. isn't my first time doing this. I'm very good. At it. Um, so reading? what's what's your relationship with success like? Like throughout that arc, like how how was it in the beginning? How was you know success versus your expectations with the band? Mm-hmm. And now that you can look back on the whole thing, how is your you know, relationship with success been impacted by it. Success. What a, a great, great word. word. Right. 
Um, so here's the reality. And, and, and I want to honor the genre in which I'm a part of, but also kind of make fun of it a little bit in that like Christian music was, is the only music that's lyrically defined. Right. So it's right. kind of a weird music genre because, yeah. uh, Although I would, I would posit that country is quickly headed there, but I digress. Because yes, the yeah, because the mu- the sonic is changing, right? Um, but there's still even a style. No, no, you're right, you're right. Because you can have death metal versus rap versus reggae versus yeah, hard rock, and it's all Christian. Yeah, exactly. So, um, being Christian music famous is kind of like being a tall midget. <laughs> <laughs> Please finish this analogy. In that, like. It's a it's a subgenre within, within music, you know. Like, so if you're a pop artist, there's there's a possibility to be like a global thing. I mean, I mean, well, Chris Tomlin, I guess I guess you have that in Christian music too. So, but all that to say, I've never felt like wildly successful mm. in music. Uh-huh. It's all it's always like, and I think part of it isn't even the genre. I think part of it is when you're the lead singer of a band, nobody wants to sound impressed with you when they meet you like you know i'll i'll like talk to someone they go oh my gosh so and so was just like really stoked to meet you but when i met that person it was like wait who are you and they play it so cool right and so you just never feel like you know you have strangers on the internet telling you oh my gosh i love your music blah blah blah. but then when you actually interact with people everyone wants to play it like super Mm -hmm. super cool right um unless you're meeting a fan at the Devil Wards. I do have this thing about meeting fans, like diehard fans. Meeting like a diehard super fan is kind of like going on a blind date with someone who's been in a relationship with you for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. Do you remember that time that you, you did that thing with your Are cat? Are you still drinking chocolate milk? Because uh, I knew two months ago you took it off for yeah. about a week. And, and you're going, what's your name? Where yeah. are you from? Yeah. You're, yeah. On, you're on blind it's date. So and still cat allergy, right? Because I picked a place that where that's not pet friendly, so that's, you should be okay. I mean, I mean, maybe this is gonna sound disingenuous, but I still, I was then, and I still am. I remember the first time someone showed up to a show because we had been an independent band for years and years and made full records before we ever got signed. And I remember the first time we did this tour, and people showed up. And it was the first time in like six, seven years where the people showing up, I hadn't met them before. Mm. I go, where did you come from? You're Why not, are you here? You're not part of this youth group. You know, we would show right. up for groups, right. but nobody knew who we were. And we were just fighting to get their attention the yeah. whole time. But this was people who were singing the songs mm-hmm. and I'd never seen them before. And I, what, and I just remember that being such an incredible feeling. Mm. And I'm still... N- just as much now than ever blown away when someone goes, Oh my gosh, I listen to that song. I go, how did you find it? Yeah. yeah. There's so much music in the world. There's right. so, and so the fact that anybody cares about anything that yeah. I, that I have done or am doing in music just blows my mind. Yeah. That's cool. I, I do feel like you guys have always had a great, uh, humility and relationship with your fans. Like when yeah. I remember when you guys sold the one millionth album. Do you remember yeah. this? <laughs> yes. Jeff told me about this. I remember you like <laughs> it, somebody. It was like at a show at the merch table, and you guys were all ready, and like your merch people knew, like, okay, we've got three more to go. And then when you sold the millionth one, 
you guys all ran out and yeah. like hugged this person. And he was so just the most haphazard fan <laughs> you could ever imagine. He was so on the fence he about was the just, whole thing. Yeah, he was like, what? <laughs> Who is this? I don't know. Jonathan, tell us about buying. This is my girlfriend. Actually, she's out there in a truck, and I don't. Uh, I haven't listened to Ninth Avenue much. Oh, I, but, uh, she just texted me. This is actually the wrong band. Can <laughs> oh I get? Who was the opener? Me? I'm so <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Still counts. The, you know, there's something Amy Grant said. I, f- I feel like you guys appreciate this. Maybe it was Amy Grant. I'm attributing it to Amy. Amy, if you're listening, she, I'm sure she's listening. Um, I apologize if you didn't. Amy, say this. just tweet this out real quick, and yeah. then it'll be true yeah. that she said it. Uh, that success is being just as excited at the end of your career playing the venues you played at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. She she says graceful on the way up, graceful on the way down. Yeah. It's that same sort of idea. I love that. Yeah. So here I am on the way down. Hey. Enjoy. Hey. Not <laughs> no, according because, to your rap sheet. Well, what what That's is right. also right. really impressive, and I'm 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 taking the swing here. So don't be you know you you just be honest and tell me if I'm way off here. But Tenth Avenue North. Yeah, would still be going. You you would be promoting your fall tour right now, if you guys weren't interested in being great fathers. I mean, not all you guys are dads, but am I right on that? I I mean, I hope so. I think that's from the outside, not too far outside. I mean, I being friends with Jeff all these years and you as well. Like I'm privy to the happenings in the band, and I think it was really respectful. Like you guys. You want to be good dads. You want to be good yeah. husbands. And it got to the point where you were just like, I don't want to miss another soccer game. And it is Your so, kid's soccer game, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I actually would love to. And Dave, when are we getting the soccer back going? Hey, we'll Come talk. On. We'll talk. Uh, uh, I remember. Well, I was going to. Let me say this. Jeff, edit that out. Um, <laughs> I'll see how times we can say. Uh, oh, uh, just. People just don't believe us when we say we broke up amicably. I yeah. can just yeah. tell by the way they're looking at you. So why did you really break up? Right. There's got to be a story there. Because to them. Because it was all going great. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, record sales are great. Streaming was great. Shows are great. Which is really unique, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's we, a really, and which is why I think people don't believe it. Which And which is what was so hard about it. <clears throat> and it just kept becoming more apparent. We, we cut the shows we were doing almost in half. We uh-huh. kept cutting shows. And ironically, that song, Control, was actually the, the biggest radio song of our career. And I wrote it about maybe having to break up the band. Wow. Of course. Um, and, and we just kept cutting the number of shows because I kept – I was in dialogue with my wife like, hey, we're having more and more kids. And, uh, and we said, you know, how do we do this healthily? Well, I think it's this many shows. Okay, I think it's this many shows. And we keep cutting it back and back and back. And then – Right before what was supposed to be our spring tour last year, this was before COVID broke broke out and all. I said, uh, I said to my wife, "Hey, so how many shows this year?" She goes, "Actually, I think I need you to not do a fall tour this year." Wow, which was huge for her to say. She's a two on the Enneagram, so it's very hard for her to recognize what she needs <laughs> and wants and to express it. And I said, "Okay, well, let me talk to the guys, you know." And this this was so wild. I said, "Hey, guys." I was thinking of maybe taking time off and it, I mean, I couldn't even get it out. And Ruben goes, well, actually at the end of the spring tour, I'm going full time. And then this other guy, uh, actually, and then Jeff was, well, actually I want to move to Florida. And, and everyone was kind of like, well, actually 
you know, Jason, our drummer, had just quit the yeah. year before because he wanted his oldest daughter was going into middle school, and he said, "I can't be on the road for wow, this. Geez. Can't do it." And I love, and I remember his final show. We're all weeping and crying. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't want to break up. Yeah. Um, if we had, if we had owned our music, I think we could have remained a band until we died. Yeah. Um, but they're just, I always say this, 10th Avenue North was successful enough to keep going, but not successful enough to be able to take a break. <laughs> that's just, yeah. that's really well said. Monetarily. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. And and that's hard for people to understand who aren't in the music business. They right. just don't understand the metrics of it. Because um, you guys have, you know, 20 people, like part of this or however many people, you got crew people, you got lighting people, you got bus drivers, yeah. you got all that kind of stuff. You gotta, you gotta keep going to keep it going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the the crazy part is, um, it's really par for the course because we had several guys come in the band and then get married and then leave the band. Mm. And we always said we're not gonna let this band destroy families. Wow. Like, yeah. We just aren't gonna let that happen. Yeah. And so, which is one thing to say it as a as a great sounding idea, and then another thing years later when you kind of. Because it doesn't, it's that's not going to happen in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen with tiny little decisions here and here and here. And this, you accept that show and you miss that yeah. thing at school and yada yada yada. So it's one thing to just say it; everyone would agree with that. But it's another thing to actually take the, you know, make the decision to stop the band yeah. and choose your families. Johnny, Dave, you know, sometimes I wonder if I could make it through a day. Without my smartphone, I'm just I, I just think about it every now and then. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, I can't even fathom a day without technology anymore. Oh my gosh! Between my phone and my laptop, I'm constantly in front of a screen, and so much of life and work depends on it. Do you feel? Are you feeling me? Today? I seriously feel that. You know, with how much we rely on all our devices, sometimes I feel like we forget the hardware we were born with. You know what? I don't forget the hardware I was born what? with, John. My ears. Oh, you're, Some you of got my great ears. Hardware. Thank you so I've much. Said it a million my times. My grandfather had great ears. I get it from him. As musicians. It's the one body part you know we're not going to take for granted. And that's why I demand the best out of earplugs, and especially headphones and earbuds. Oh, me too. I have such a hard time finding earbuds that fit just right, though. I know. Can I tell you something? Tell me. I've got to tell you about Ultimate Ears Fits, okay? These incredible earphones actually warm up to fit your ears. True story. You put them in your ears, and they warm up to fit your ears. The f- It never slips. You put them in there. They're locked and loaded, okay? I use them when I'm exercising or doing doing chores, or doing my ear exercises. Okay, but how, how's the sound quality? Because just because they fit doesn't necessarily know, mean they sound I good. No, I know, but they sound amazing. Okay. Better than any other earbud I've used before. The quality is almost too good to be true, John. Too good. Ultimate yeah. Ears fits really sounds like the world's most comfortable earbuds. Can I say that they are? And can I say that they certainly are? You get a guaranteed perfect fit in just 60 seconds. They've got up to eight hours of continuous playback on just one charge and up to 20 hours with the charging case, John. All right, so you're telling me that I can listen to Dadville Mm -hmm. for eight straight hours without charging my Ultimate Ears fits once? That's incredible. It is. It would be a world record for our podcast, too. I got to seven hours once, but I fell asleep (laughs) at my own voice. And now... For a limited time, you can get 15% off your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Earbuds at ue.com slash fits. Just use promo code DADVILLE at checkout. That's 15% off. 15% off, folks. It's so close to free with promo code DADVILLE at ue.com slash fits. 
And then, and then ironically, so we, we scramble because the guys, we, we look at each other and go, oh, the spring tour, I guess this is our final tour. They go, yeah. So a week before the tour started, we changed all the branding to this is actually a farewell tour. Well, then all the shows later on in the tour just start selling out. Just selling out, selling out. We're like, this is amazing. So we start the tour and then COVID. And we're, we were in as far away as you could possibly be. We're in Spokane. So just even the cost of the buses and all, it was just insane. And initially sitting at home for the next couple of weeks after COVID had shut down our farewell tour, I was just bitter as mm. anything. Just so mad. Like, are you kidding me, God? We do this band for 20 years. And then we're trying to be honorable husbands and dads, do the thing that like preserves our families. And then feeling like we don't even get to ride high out on the sunset, but even our mm-hmm. final farewell thing that was going to be amazing gets canceled. And then a couple months into the pandemic, kind of having a big shift of going, actually, how awesome is it that we chose to break up before? Yeah. Right. That this isn't just, well, I guess we have to break up now. Right. Yeah. Um, it was actually a real beautiful gift to go, Oh no, we chose this. Yeah. And, and it actually helped me choose, you know, being in quarantine with my girls of going, no, mm. I chose to want to be with them. That's mm. why yeah. we were ending yeah. the band. Right. Yeah. So, which makes it less sort of like I'm stuck and stir crazy. There's this really beautiful quote Eckhart Tolle says, actually he says the secret to peace is to embrace your current circumstance as if you had chosen it. Mm. And, and he basically pontificates that until you choose the circumstance you're in, you're still a victim to it. Wow. You're resisting yeah. it. You're fighting against it. And you actually can't participate in the moment to make it better until you choose to be where you are. Jeez. And so that was a huge shift. I wrote this song on my new record called Glory I Couldn't See, which was all about, like, there was actually all this amazing beauty and glory, even in the pandemic, if I could, mm-hmm. if I could just have the eyes to see it and choose it. The um, One of the most... Um powerful quotes that I've ever heard. I was watching the David Foster documentary and his, and you know, his, his, it's, it's crazy. Cause he's still close to his daughters, even though like it's very understood how much he just wasn't a great dad all the time because mm-hmm. of how busy he was. And and if y'all haven't seen it, it's on Hulu or Netflix, but David Foster is hugely successful producer and songwriter and, and, um, uh, and produced, I will always love you. And a couple of the songs you might've heard, but one of his daughters, and they're close. It's but really, what's he done lately? Lately, that's the thing. Is is you know <laughs> just to circle back. To yeah, that yeah, idea. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the things that his daughters say. I mean, she says this during the the documentary. She says, you know, we were all casualties of my dad's ambition. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think a lot when you think about. I mean, I feel like we could do a podcast just on that one quote. But I, I'm always so encouraged and blessed by decisions like you guys that take that kind of mindfulness of going, you know, this may mean I give up some things that I know very well and could keep going and we can kind of forecast how it's going to go and and find the comfort and the stability in that. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be sacrifices that I have to make that are much more eternal and much more significant. Um, And I'm always, I mean, I just think that's, I'm so um, impressed by that. I think that's such a mature uh, so much wherewithal and so much faith, mm, to, yeah. you know, to go like, I'm going to make a pretty seismic move here. And especially when you have a world around you, which the irony of it being the CCM world too, is even more sort of 
hysterical that would go like, wait, what? Why are you doing that? You know, you got a surefire thing. Yeah, you got a surefire thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The, so two things. The way I say it, same thing Foster's saying. I, I didn't want to sacrifice my family on the altar of ambition. Yeah. That's the way I said it. Yeah. And um, a, a, a really helpful thing to any of the dads listening, if you are a dad listening to Dadville, um, every Father's Day, I do two things. I, I go on a drive by myself mm. at some point during the day, and I crank Between Me and You by Brandon Flowers. Mm. You know that song? Mm. Between me and you, I've been thinking about the future and... And it's, it's a song about the tension of feeling the weight of having to care for your family mm. and feel like you're enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I just crank it and I weep. I don't know. There's something about that song. I just weep to it. And then I look up, um, there's several articles, blogs, uh, that you can find if you just type in like greatest regrets of the dying by hospice nurse. Jeez. There's a bunch of them. And these hospice nurses, relate the top 20, top 10 regrets that people have when they're dying. And I know this is sounding very morbid, but the number one is always, I didn't take enough risks. Hmm. And the number two is always, I didn't spend enough time with my family. Jeez. And so at on Father's Day, I just, I always am trying to recalibrate and go, okay, when I'm on my deathbed yeah, and mm-hmm. my there's a great uh, Andy Stanley actually has a little book called um, oh, Choos- Choosing to Cheat. Choosing to Cheat. Have you talked about that? Oh yeah. Yeah, and just you're gonna be cheating somewhere. Yeah. So like, um, but his just to make it clear, this was a this was a Ebenezer moment of my life. I was on the oh, road yeah. when I listened to that sermon series. I remember where I was. I remember, oh wow! Like literally, yeah, yeah. It's like one of the moments of my life. But so for people listening, it's a really profound thing that he says. He basically says so it's which I always laugh. It's like what a hysterical title for an pastor to put out choosing to cheat yeah, like, so everybody's like i'm reading that honey they got pictures in there but um but like his the, the paradigm is basically <laughs> you're gonna choose you're gonna cheat one of two things your family or your work and so yeah. if you choose to cheat and he, and he says so that's what we're doing is we're literally just choosing to cheat by the one that we give them more time to yeah and it really thumped me because we yeah. didn't have kids yet we'd, we'd just been married but i was like that just feels like the truth to me. And I yeah. I hate I hate the reality that if I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. Yeah. That it was it was actually w- one of the reasons I was scared to get married. Mm. If I say yes to her, yeah. I'm saying no to anyone else that yeah. comes along. Yeah. And it's I just I'm like a social dude and it's like it, this FOMO is real. Yeah, yeah, if yeah, I yeah. say yes to that party, what if there's something Another else? Another one, yeah. Um I mean, think of all the podcasts he could be at right now. I know. That's you're here. I know. And that door's locked. Yeah. So. (laughs) You can't leave. I I saw your leg twitch. Uh, But like just that, yeah, that's that's really profound when you just go, no, I'm going to let my yes be yes. I'm going to choose my yes. Yeah. You know? And, and, And actually being wherever you are is probably better than if you had chosen the better Thing. thing yeah right, right. So, so so you know now you're you're your dad you're killing the dad game you're oh. here you got the four girls you've yeah. been in dadville for how how long been in dadville Ten? uh my oldest is 11 11, 11 years. okay so this is actually a john question but i'm cheating and i'm reading it because i want people Choose to it, man. and jeff Choose you can edit out that i said it's john's question yeah. um but i love this question and it sort of segues as well into, into the dad season in your life uh, if you could go back again these are john's words i would have spiced this up a little more 
maybe with a curse word too. If you could transport back to young Mike D uh-huh. in the hospital, yeah, with not Lord knows not infirmed Mike D yeah. post wreck, but like uh, after Isley, I guess is the oldest yes, girl. Okay, yes. uh, was just born, and you had two minutes to tell that Mike something. What would you say? Wait, which mic am I going back to? You're going back to? to just had your first girl. Okay, just had. Oh man! Like you, you're starting your dadville, your 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 residence in dadville. What, what what is the thing you're telling him? It's probably the the same advice. Whenever I find a dad who has older kids than mine, hmm. and they they seem to really love each other, I always I'm. Hey, what do you do? What, what do you, what's your <laughs> secret? What's your secret? You yeah. <laughs> and unequivocally, the number one answer has always been one thing. It's been, be interested. Jeez. That's it. I go, wait, what else? What, what's, what's the secret sauce? No, that's it. No, I don't understand. Be interested. So mm. I would just, I would say to that, Mike, yeah, be interested. Jeez. Be interested. Whatever they're interested in, be interested. Uh-huh. And um, mm. so for instance... Isley's super into this dragon book series called Wings of Fire that all the kids, oh, yeah, all the kids read. Oh yeah. And so, as it progresses, it gets a little more mature, and there's some themes in there that you know we're getting from other parents. That, Ooh, I don't know if we're cool, but she's so into it. So I go, okay, I'm gonna read them all. Mm. So and then we'll this this one book we'll read together, you know. So I'm at like book seven, and they're just you know they're ridiculous books, but and they're like. They're thick books. They're We're talking substan- about big, thick books <laughs> They're substantial. Here. Yeah. And I, I usually read them on a plane, you know. And uh, I read, yeah, so I'm on book seven, and and that's it, man. I, j- I, see, mm. I see them light up when I mm. ask them about something that mm. they know is not on uh-huh. my radar at all. Um, I'm watching Ted Lasso right now. I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Moment, Roy, I could not be more on the Ted Lasso Roy train. Kent says yeah. to his niece, because he's talking to his boss, he goes, oh, she just wants to be with you. Like, watch this. Oi, you want to come with me to my podiatry appointment later? Oh, can I, Uncle Roy? Can I? <laughs> it's like, see? It's like, they just want to yeah, yeah, be with it. you. God, yeah. that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, so so having the girls, like, is there anything that you didn't suspect? Like, I mean, that, there's a lot of those. But it, what has surprised you the most about being a parent? The amount that they're able to cry. It is just <laughs> incredible. I love that you said that immediately. Uh, you didn't hesitate. It is it it blows my mind every day. And now my eleven year old is menstruating and she loves to announce it. Like, oh my hey, gosh. Guess what? I'm she like start crying, like, why am I crying? Oh I know. I'm about to start my period. Oh my know. gosh! And I sort of have an a armchair theory that kids sleep so hard, part partially because they go through nine thousand gallons of extreme, water, extreme emotional changes it's throughout all, a, any it's given day. All right, there, bro. If I did all that, I would be passed out by noon. Yes, when a lot of boys are like that. And yeah. the thing we're really yeah. realizing as parents that we're reading a ton about is this the. Key to parenting when your kids are just losing their minds is just don't escalate. Yeah. Just stay there. Yeah. And the reason we usually escalate is one of the reasons is because um, 
Have, do you listen to the podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves? Oh, dude. Really, they have a lot of great parenting stuff. But they were talking about one of the reasons are it's because we're being triggered. Yes. And so you, a lot of times, you you're you're being triggered by your kid, and you never learn to regulate. And yeah. So you're like, you need, and we clamp down. And a lot of times you'll see parents be so harsh with their kids, usually in a social setting, because they're embarrassed by yeah, their children. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Um, but it really is incredible when you just go. I I do a lot of like centered breathing where I'm mm-hmm. trying to breathe yeah, up from yeah, my yeah, feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just just last night, my my three year old was just having a temper tantrum, and I, and I was just, <laughs> "Mommy, Daddy's breathing again." <laughs> I literally had the thought last night. They're going to remember this when they're 20. Like, dad was always going. (sighs) But it helps me not react to them. That's going to be funny when they get triggered by their husband breathing like their dad breathed. Yeah. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Dad did that thing. Your dad taught me how to do this. Your dad did that so he would not (laughs) annihilate you from existence. You should be grateful for the breath. So, so with that said, do you feel like you have a superhero like gift that you found that you didn't know about yourself? Is there anything that you've been like? I'm actually kind of killing this one part of being a dad. Um, or or something that you might have even been like. I bet I'm gonna kill this one part, and I am. You know the the thing. My 11 year old still, and I just love this. And there's this really great book about raising teen girls called. Um, Oh, I know this. Oh, what's I've it forgotten. called? Yeah. Un... Unlovable. Unhindered? Un... No. I can't remember the name of it. Dang it. But uh, she talks about when kids are getting into the tween years, that she likens the analogy of parenting to a kid swimming in a pool. They jump in and they want to feel like an adult, deep, swim by themselves. But then they get tired or scared and they cling to the side of the pool. And then once they get their breath and they feel rest, they kick back off the pool. So you'll see these kids and when they're 11, 12, they're like, one minute they're going, oh, dad, I want to snuggle you. I want to kiss you. I love you. And then the next minute they're like, ew, dad, you're so dumb. Like, and they're trying to push off and exert their adulthood. Mm-hmm. But my 11-year-old still, j- j- almost every night, you know, I'm saying, I, we have these like nighttime rituals and stuff. And she'll always go, hey, dad, quick snuggle. Oh. Give me a quick snuggle. And that was one thing when mm. I didn't have kids, I always went, I'm always going to have time for a snuggle. I'm always going to yeah. have time for it. Yeah. And I do. Mm, I, yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny too? Like, you know, those nights have been like really hard nights and you're mad at all your kids. Yes. Those are the funniest snuggle times for me because yeah. like my, my oldest boy is still doing it, which is the best thing in the world. Yes. And, and I can be like, I want to throw you out of the window. Like the second floor. I'm so yes. done with you. Yes. And I'll be in the room and I'm like, okay. And he's like, okay, dad snuggle. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then once you do it, you go, okay. okay. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm going to snuggle you. It's too tight, dad. It's too tight. <laughs> Dad, do your breathing. Do your breathing. <laughs> From your feet, Dad. From your feet. So since you have four girls. <laughs> From your feet. <laughs> You're only in your calves. Get down to your feet, Dad. <laughs> since you have four girls, I'm curious. Uh, is there – because I only have two girls. I have literally half, half the amount of uh, children that you have. Yes. And I already – even between the two – 
I'll never forget that. Uh, you always remind me. And <laughs> even between the two, I can see things that I'm already doing with Livy, our youngest, that I said I wouldn't do with Luca. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. A little more lenient, little, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So I would have to imagine, like, it must just go exponentially that way with your fourth, right? Are there things that you're like with, your, with Isley that you're like, this is how we parent. In this house, everything is clean or whatever. And then, like, come your fourth, you're just like, whatever. You know, it really hit us actually when we just had our second because our first and second were so different. Huh. And the discipline we would use with our first was radically it, – it didn't work with our second. Yeah. And then with our third, that didn't work. And then with our fourth. And so we have this sort of luxury and uh, obligation of – having to kind of strategize differently for every single yeah, one of our yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we try to always tell them, because, you know, our oldest, of course, is like, that's not fair. I didn't get to do that when I was that age. Or, or my younger going, that's not fair, because yeah. she gets to go to bed later than me. Yeah. And we go, listen, we're not going to treat you all the same, mm. but we're going to do our best to treat you all fairly. Yeah, in that's, your a, that's a good way to put that. In time of yeah. life. Right. Um. So, abs- but absolutely, you, you you just don't have the capacity to endure enforce what you would have enforced with yeah. one kid. Right. My my mom is uh, unfortunately one of those really judgmental moms who like <laughs> she's one of she's one of ten kids. Oh my gosh! And so, I mean, she she would you would be like, yeah, I have two kids, and she would, huh? Oh yeah, she yeah. would print you. She she uh, <laughs> didn't have what it takes. Right. Then she has this philosophy that. Until you have three kids, you haven't fulfilled the purpose of having kids. Because she goes, the purpose of having kids <laughs> yes, is yes. for God to teach you that yes. you're not in control. Yes. And, and, and I go, Mom, I think people can learn that. Yeah, I've with, learned with that one. Daily it, this is with my, two kids. This is my philosophy on, on parenting is everyone – this helps me have empathy for people who have less kids than me. Just remembering that everyone always has one more kid than they feel like they can handle <laughs> Yes. <laughs> when you had one kid, it felt like too many. Too many. And when you had two 100%. kids, That's great. now it if was, you have one of your girls, you're like, you're like oh, this is so easy. Yes. And what's funny is that I always feel anyone who has more than two kids, to me, as someone who has two kids, I'm always like, oh, that's crazy. That's but crazy. And my brother it, has five kids. Yeah. And he said, yeah, like anyone who has more than five kids, he's just like, that's nuts. <laughs> but, but there is a a point where if you have enough kids, the age is such that it does become like a closed loop yes. where the yes. kids are yes. helping the other kids. Yeah. And that's definitely true with my brother. Okay. So, so we want to, we want to respect your time that we've yeah. already taken too much of. So, so we, we always end with two questions. Um, uh, I'll go ahead and ask the first one. So what's the one thing you want your kids to know? Hmm. I knew this was coming. Uh, I I want them to know that they can fail. Mm. And that, you know, and of course that we love them regardless of whether they're crushing it or being crushed by it. Yeah. Mm. I love that. That's a good way to say that. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Last question. What is it? What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Um, at my funeral, 
I'm like picturing it. Man, I honestly I I just want them to say, man, he showed us he showed us what a life full of God's mercy and full of God's goodness could look like. Mm. You know, I, I really want to embody. I, I'm really keen on this idea that the reason I'm on the earth, this is what the apostle Paul says. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation, mm. that the reason I'm here on the earth is to bring things back together that were apart. So just that unifying goodness. So isn't that maybe last thought here, but isn't that, that's something that's actually been very um, present in what I feel like I've been learning in the last year or two is mm-hmm. this idea of like kingdom, the kingdom of God is being restored now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's tricky cause you can kind of be like, well, once heaven and God restores the earth back to it, that's, and it's like, no, 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 that started now. Yeah. That's, that's actively happening now. It will be fulfilled yes. later, but restoration is now. Dude, thank you so thank much you for doing this. Sounds perfect. Thank, you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody, go uh, check out your album is out. Oh right, it's out now. Yeah, yeah. What give, was it a, give give a plug for the album and the book. The album is called uh, Flourish, Flourish, and uh, it's just a collection of songs about maybe my circumstances don't need to flourish for me to be able to flourish. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the idea. All right, here we go. And the book. The book is finding God's life for my will. I'm still writing the next one. Oh, it's not out yet. And we'll be in that, I'm sure. Dead fish.